delighted to have you worshiping with us today. Even if you're joining us online and at the lake, we are glad you're here. Just kidding. Welcome, um, and welcome from near and far. Even if you've just moved to the area and are new with the acquisition, we are glad you're here. I asked this question on Facebook this week, uh, the great source of all wisdom and knowledge and truth, right? Maybe not. Not. Okay. Here's the question. The question I asked was, you know, I was talking to my boys. We've just seen The Incredibles. There's other stuff going on in our lives, and they're talking about Star Wars movies and yada, yada, and I'm like, okay, so there's a lot of this sort of superhero villain stuff going on in pop culture and media and things, and I'm just curious. Name some, you don't have to do it this morning, although you can if you want to, but name some of the greatest superheroes and their arch nemesis of all time. And so there's a list of comments there, and I followed a few of them, and then eventually one retiree, who will go unnamed, Randy, um, (laughs) gave me this list, which I thought was pretty good. It's got a variety of different things you may or may not recognize, so I'll go ahead and give you a few of those. Um, Here are some of the decisive battles between the good versus evil, the hero versus villain, the super guy versus the nemesis. They are these. Batman versus Joker, Roadrunner versus Coyote, Popeye versus Brutus, Transformers versus the Decepticons. I didn't know that one either. Tom versus Jerry, G.I. Joe versus Cobra, Bullwinkle versus... Boris and Natasha, Bugs Bunny versus Elmer Fudd, Mario versus Bowser, Edison versus Tesla, exactly right, Alien versus Pretender, Yankees versus the Red Sox, Snoopy versus the Red Baron, Superman versus Lex Luthor, yes, and Green Lantern versus Sinestro, and Bill Murray versus the Gopher. Exactly right, from Gaddyshack. You got it. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot more. You can come up with your own stories. But I think there's something actually in that, believe it or not, and that something I think is this. Within the heart of humanity, within the heart of man, within the heart of woman, there is something inherent to us that just really wants to see good win over evil. We recognize the struggle. We see that it's there, and we can't quite put our finger on it, but every time that storyline comes up where there's a good guy and a bad guy, hopefully we're always rooting for the good guy. You're like, come on, win. I just really want things to work out. Somebody's got to save us. Somebody's got to save the day. Someone has to have superpowers that's able to deliver these poor, helpless souls. Such is the case in pop culture and such is the case in Mark chapter 1 as well. Today, as we look at the temptation of Jesus, we see this intense conflict going on between Satan or the devil and Jesus, the Son of God. And good versus evil are coming head to head, and it is going to be epic. There is a major confrontation, a significant battle, and only one 
can come out on the other side. What I want to do, just to refresh your memory, in case you've got a little sunburnt this week, is remind you what we've done the last, last week when we started the series. We're going to skip ahead one slide. And it is this. Uh, basically, we started the book of Mark, and the first thing we saw was where Isaiah, the prophet, predicted Jesus. It's, the book of Mark starts off with this um, prediction where Isaiah, the prophet, I think we've got one more slide. Next slide. Uh, Isaiah the prophet predicts Jesus, and then John the Baptist points to Jesus, and then God the Father, through the, through the um, baptism, affirms Jesus. Now today we're going to look at the point in which Satan confronts Jesus. So these, up until this point, we've seen all these people doing something towards Jesus. The prophet predicts, the Baptist points, the Father affirms, and now Satan confronts. So today, as we look at Mark chapter 1, you're going to see these three things that was on the previous slide. We're going to see a problem, a solution, and an application. The problem is going to be, and when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about the victory of Christ. The problem is that we don't feel it in our daily lives. We don't really feel Jesus's victory over sin. The solution is to declare it, and the application is to do so on a daily basis. So let me show you that In Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, it says this, and I want you to note carefully the underlying word immediately. It says, immediately, that is, after Jesus' baptism, immediately, immediately after the baptism, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, the reason I pull out that word immediately is because it's important for your understanding of the text, but it's also important for the application of this passage to your life as well. I think as Christians, sometimes we think, okay, we're going to go into our closet and be quiet and study and pray, and we're going to walk out, and, you know, the primrose path will be laid before us. But what we see in the life of Christ is actually quite different. What we see is that Jesus has sort of this mountaintop experience, if you will. He is baptized, and God the Father himself speaks directly to Jesus and affirms him. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we imagine, you know, this golden halo and all this other stuff, but it's just Jesus and the Father, and he's feeling it. And as soon as he gets up out of the water, what happens? Immediately, as soon as his foot hits the ground, he comes into conflict with Satan. There's no red carpet. There's no respite. There's no welcoming committee. There's no mint on the pillow, nothing. All of a sudden, Jesus is baptized, and then boom, into the wilderness. And the Spirit drove him there. Notice that it's the Spirit leading Jesus into this conflict. Sometimes the Spirit will lead you into difficult places as well. You're not in sin. You're not disobeying. You're following the Spirit and doing what He wants even when you are led into difficulty. So as soon as Jesus comes up out of the water, immediately, as soon as His foot hits the dry ground, He comes into conflict with the devil. Why? Well, the reason is because Jesus is on a mission. You know, He's not on a holiday. He's not on vacation. It's not a day at the lake. He's here for a reason. And the reason is this, 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason 
that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Here's the reason Jesus came, one of them. There's a lot. You can look it up on the Christian apologetics research. They have like 23 different reasons. But here is one, that he came specifically to destroy the devil. Now, this is no secret. The prophet predicted it. It's been known for a long time. Satan knows it as well. And so Satan, up until this point, what we learn from the other gospels is he's done everything he can to prevent it to prevent Jesus from coming, because he knows once Jesus arrives, he's in big trouble. But Satan could not prevent it, and so here Jesus is, and he enters into hostile territory. So naturally, therefore, if you're an invading force, if you're an attacking army, if you're going into a spot where there's going to be opposition, you know what happens. As soon as you go into that hot landing zone or whatever, all of a sudden, stuff's coming down the pipe, and it's no different here with Jesus. As soon as his foot comes out of the water, he hits the beaches, if you will, of the Judean wilderness, and the bullets begin to fly. This is D-Day in Galilee. Jesus has invaded hostile territory, and the devil is fighting back. Here's the conflict you're about to see in Mark chapter 1. Now, what happened? Well, we all want to know, right? I mean, Jesus is launched. The boat ramps are down. He's attacking. How'd it go? Who fired the first shot? Who won? Well, Mark doesn't give you all of those juicy details. You read this account in Mark, and it's actually rather short. What you get from Mark is that Jesus came into the wilderness, and Jesus went out. And what does that mean? That means that Jesus won, <laughs> And the reason is because if he didn't come out, <laughs> that means he lost. This is a fight to the death, and he goes into the hostile territory, and he comes out standing on the other side, not with his tail tucked between his legs in fear, but instead the conquering king and the hero. Jesus comes out, and that means he won. And as a result, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says, as soon as he came out, he comes into Galilee proclaiming the good news the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. Stop. Stop right here, please. Full stop. Repent and believe the gospel. We got that, right? I mean, if I'm going to talk to two different groups here. Number one is a churchgoer. Number two is a second group. People have never heard this in their lives. Churchgoer, you've heard this a few times, probably in crusades, probably in rallies, events, different things. You've heard, repent, believe the gospel, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I got that. No big thing. We got it. Got it. Well, what, what does it mean? What, what do you mean, repent and believe the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news. Oh, that's good. What is the good news? Well, Jesus died on the cross, rose for forgiveness of sins. Had he? Had Jesus at this point died on the cross and rose from the grave from the forgiveness of sins? But it says that he was preaching the gospel. What was he preaching? He hasn't said anything about this Jonah, three days, belly the whale thing, no predictions, nothing yet. But yet he's preaching the gospel. What is he saying? Now, for those of you who have never been to church before, you might be saying, oh, gospel, kingdom, good news, whatever, churchy terms, <laughs> Here's what it means. I want you to really stop and get this because this is highly significant. Jesus comes out of his confrontation with the devil. 
he wins. And when he comes out, he announces it. And just like we said last week in the previous sermon, when the herald comes into the new territory announcing the good news, what in general he's saying is that, look, Caesar or whoever has gone and attacked the enemy. They've conquered it. They've been victorious. And now as a result, here's the gifts they're going to give to you. They're going to distribute the booty from their conquest. In the same way, Jesus is the conquering hero who enters the hostile territory, confronts the enemy, beats him, takes back what was stolen, returns in triumph, and then distributes gifts to everyone who is in allegiance with him. This is the gospel. This is the good news, that Jesus is the conquering hero, that Jesus won Yes, there are multifacets to the gospel, but the one I think we frequently miss is that when we say, here's a slide, preach the gospel, what we're actually telling people to say is, Jesus won. When you need to tell the gospel to somebody else, you need to tell them, Jesus won. Jesus won. The gospel is not do your best. Your best isn't good enough. My best isn't good enough. I'm not interested in my best. I'm interested in Jesus' best. Only Jesus' best is good enough, and that is the gospel, that Jesus, the best, has done the best and won. There is no victory anywhere else. You have to get this. You want good news? Here's the good news. Jesus won. And yeah, church, we need to preach this to unbelievers. That's true. But we need to preach it to ourselves. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. Please tell me, Jesus won. Amen. Thank you. You know what? When we feel defeated, Jesus won. When we feel weak, Jesus won. When we feel tired, Jesus won. When we feel bored, depressed, unenthused, disinterested, Jesus won. Anywhere, everywhere, all the time, Jesus won. Do you hear me? Jesus won. Are we declaring that in our lives? I'm not. At least not as much as I should. I may do it on occasion when I think of it, but do I do it daily? Do every day of my life I say Jesus won? Probably not. Why? Because I don't always feel it. I don't always feel the victory. I don't feel like Jesus won all the time. Sometimes I feel blah. Sometimes I feel worse than blah. Sometimes I lose. Sometimes I give in to temptation. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes things don't work out like I think they should. Often I feel defeated. But just because I give in to temptation doesn't mean that Jesus gave in to temptation. Just because I lose doesn't mean that Jesus lost. Just because I'm weak doesn't mean that he's weak. Just because I don't have the means or the will or the whatever to go on doesn't mean he does. When I am at my weakest, that is when I need him the most. Jesus is mightier. He won. Preach it, declare it, herald it, 
proclaim the good news. He who is mightier defeated the enemy. Do you remember John's title for Jesus last week? The one who comes after me who is mightier than me. He defeats the enemy. Let me ask you this question, teenagers, adult, mom, children, empty nester. What area in your life have you given in to defeat? What area in your life have you given in to defeat where you've just said, not in this life? I, I, I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I'm doing okay here, doing okay there, but not now. It's probably not going to happen this side of eternity. And you need to preach the gospel. You need to declare the victory. You need to push back. This means youth, adolescence, even if your parents are always on your case and you feel like you're never getting it right, you can still say, Jesus won. Jesus won. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I don't get it all the right, all right all the time. Jesus won. Adult, hey, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I don't get it right all the time. Jesus won. Parenting, you feel the constant endless struggle of menial, meaningless toil and task. Declare his victory. Jesus won. Empty nesters, you're looking for that place of assurance. You're looking for that identity. You're wondering what is next. Your family is gone. You feel lonely. It's the holiday. What do I do? You declare Jesus won. Retirement, you're questioning your value. It used to be wrapped up in this identity of what you did at work, and now you wonder how you will contribute. The answer is the same. Jesus won. The problem, yes, is that we don't feel it, but the solution is to declare it, to declare Jesus' victory and do so on a daily basis. Over and over again, you need to say, Jesus won. Now, that's a really great sermon. Thanks, Pastor. Okay, today, right now, Jesus won. Okay, tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow morning, what are you going to do? When you get up and take your vitamins, (laughs) okay, and you unscrew that cap right before you dump one out, I want you to at least think to yourself, if you don't say it out loud, Jesus won. Vitamin C... And then vitamin A, application. How do I apply this? Tomorrow morning when I take my vitamins, I'm going to say Jesus won. And I know it's easy to forget and times are going to be hard. And the next day, I want to do it again. So that every single day of my life, no matter what, at some point, I am saying Jesus won. Well, I don't take vitamins. That's fine. What do you take? (laughs) Whatever you take. At night, you got your pill boxes lined. Okay, legal stuff here, guys. Come on. (laughs) You got your pillboxes lined out, and there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's a green one, red one, blue one, whatever. You guys like that. Still going. All right. Good. Jesus won. Jesus won. You're taking your vitamins. You're taking your pills. That doesn't work. Okay. How about this? Change the password on your computer. (laughs) Now, look, I know we can't all use the same password. (laughs) Just add this to it. So it's exclamation point, asterisk, cap, small, whatever, Jesus won at the end. Just add a few more. It'll be great. Every day you push the garage door open or go out, Jesus won. You push it again, you come back in, Jesus won. The beginning of the day, the end of the day, the same thing, Jesus wins. No matter what happens in between, from the rising of the sun to the going down, Jesus wins. 
You understand what I'm saying? Preach the gospel. Jesus wins. Do it every single day. I don't care what you have to do to remember it. Just figure something out. It may be silly. It may be stupid. It may be whatever. Still do it. Can you imagine how different your life would be if every single day of your life you said Jesus won? That would change things dramatically. Dramatically, but not instantaneously. Let me show you what I mean, guys. Let let me tell you very clearly. When you get up in the morning, you're going to be like, okay, Jesus won, and you're going to expect, all right, I'm going to see the victory now. And then when you see that victory, what's going to happen is you're going to be looking for temptation. And that temptation is going to come your way, and you're going to be like, wow, what just happened? What happened is this. You hit the beaches. You came up out of the baptistry. You were affirmed by the Holy Spirit, and now the devil is in your face. The fight is on. You look at Mark chapter 1. I left one part out on purpose. If you were looking closely at your Bible, here's the first phrase I left out. It says this in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, John was arrested. John was arrested. (laughs) He's about to be beheaded. (laughs) This is the greatest person Jesus said has walked the face of the earth. He's calling people to repent and believe. He's dedicated his life. He's given up everything he's owned. He has no other obsession other than pointing people to Jesus. And now he's arrested and he's about to be beheaded. He's still saying Jesus won. Even in his arrest, even as an imprisonment, even in the false charges, even in the trial, even in the beheading, Jesus won. Jesus won, no matter what, no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to you, the same is still true. And we gotta say this over and over again because the reality of our lives in this fallen world is we're gonna face difficulty, we're gonna face struggle, we're gonna face turmoil, and things are not gonna go as we want very often. In that moment, by grace, through faith, we proclaim the gospel that Jesus won. We believe it even now, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it, Jesus won. And we just keep saying that and saying that and saying it over and over again until eventually it takes root in our heart and our soul and we come to the point where we truly believe, yeah, Jesus won. Not just on Sundays, but Monday, Tuesday, first day of the week, whatever, Jesus won. Now let me assure you again one more time that as you, if you say this, what's going to happen is you're going to face pushback. And that's natural, right? What happens is this, is Jesus won, won this decisive victory, but if you imagine like a big war, there may be still, even though the, this big battle's been fought and the enemy's on the run, there's still gonna be some pockets of resistance or varying strongholds stationed throughout. And those things are eventually gonna have to be taken over. You know, there may be people hiding in tunnels that never even heard that they surrendered. You got to go in there and you got to take that back. And this tug of war, this taking the strongholds in a lot of way is what building the kingdom is all about. Now look, I understand there's all kinds of theology on that. There's the spiritual and the physical. What I'm talking about right now is the real life day-to-day struggle that we're going through where there's sin in our life, yet the reality is this, Jesus won and as a result, we can go into that hostile territory and say, give it back. 
This is not yours anymore. Because Jesus came and won the victory, this does not belong to you. He freed me from sin and death. I am his, he is mine, and I want that back. Porn, lust, depression, gossip, you know, consumerism, whatever. We're going to take it. It's not his. It doesn't belong to him anymore. You jump in and you pull and you pull and some days it feels like he's pulling harder than you are and you pull harder and this is going to go on your whole life and so you just have to keep saying, Jesus won, Jesus won, Jesus won. And it's a tug of war. Why? Because you're going after a stronghold. But look, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, because Jesus won, you have the divine power, not the natural, not the human, but the divine power to destroy those strongholds, you can take them back. Don't give up. If there's an area of your life you said, not on this side of eternity, you're wrong. Stop. Jesus is more powerful. He's stronger, and he can take it back. So you jump on that rope, and you wrap it around your waist, and you lean back, and you pull as hard as you can, and go, and go, and go, and don't quit till the day you die. And that's what it looks like to live the Christian life. To fight. To struggle. It's not easy. Yet, Jesus won. Well, when am I going to see that, Pastor? Because that's a long time, and I don't know how long I can pull. Well, here's your answer. When. Here's the when. Either one, when you die and go to heaven, or two, when Jesus comes back. That's when. That's when all of a sudden that rope goes boom and dramatically jumps to your side. Let me show you that in Scripture. Did you know that? Did you know there's actually tug-of-war in Scripture? Let me show you where it is. It's Revelation chapter 20. You'll even see the rope. Well, it's a chain. Close enough. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. Oh, yeah, there's this pit in between you. You don't want to get pulled in, right? And a great chain. And he sees the dragon and that ancient serpent who is the devil Satan and bound him with the very chain itself for a thousand years and threw him in to that pit. He shut it and sealed it over him so that he may not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended and then there's one more battle after that and it's all done. Jesus won. Jesus won. If you walk away from today's sermon, I want you to remember one thing, basically one thing only. That's Jesus won. You can think of the tug-of-war game. You can think of whatever you want to think of, but just remember the fact that Jesus won. Preach the gospel. Declare God's victory. Even when you don't feel it, I recognize that's difficult, but the reality is we have to practice it daily over and over and over and over again. Jesus won. Superheroes, they're cool. You know, the, you know, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, all these great cosmic battles of good versus evil, hero versus villain. I like it, I gotta admit. When the good guy wins in the end, it makes me happy. There's something inside of us that wants to see right win. And here's what we have. In Jesus... He can preach the good news. He can declare the kingdom because he is the king. And in him, we have the decisive 
display of God's ruling power over the world unfurled. That is what Christ is. He came to destroy the devil. He did and he won. There's no going back. Now we wait for him to pull that serpent in, tie him up and throw him to the pit. And the tug of war is over. When you preach the gospel, you say Jesus won. When you preach the kingdom, you say that Jesus won. Amen. Amen. When your kid screams and you feel the struggle, Jesus won. I don't know where that application came from. Amen. It's good. It's good to hear the kids. We all have, well, most of us have them, and they're just like us. We scream too. It's just not as obvious. <laughs> Jesus won. Strongholds remain, but keep taking them back. Don't give in until the king returns and sets up his forever reign. Keep declaring the victory of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. For Jesus, our Savior and perfect God, we thank you that he won. That he did what we could not. When we are weak, he's strong. When we sin, he's perfect. He is the true and greater Israel. He is the new Adam. He's the victorious king. We thank you and praise you for him. Lord, may all our hopes rest there. We're so thankful that Jesus won. In his name we pray, amen.